I think when melodic techno started to come onto the scene, I really, really connected with it just because it was combining so many of these different genres into one sound. Like it had elements of progressive house in there. And then it had like the melodies that trance had, you know, the lower BPM, deeper stuff that has room for a groove. So it combined so many different genres that I really liked and it was just a natural progression for me. So... Are you ready to level up your game as a DJ and producer and break into the electronic music scene? Welcome to the Break Into The Scene podcast, where you will hear the stories of DJs and producers about how they got where they are today and how they broke into the electronic music scene. On top of all that, industry experts share their tips on specific topics, such as how to build your brand as a DJ and artist today, how to build connections in the industry, how to get more gigs as a DJ, and many, many more. So if you're ready to take your music career to the next level, buckle up, my friend, because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host, DJ Resonant, host of Resonant Radio, and former host of the Mindset Horizon, podcast interview mastery, and podcasting for influence podcasts. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Break Into The Scene podcast. I'm your host, DJ Resonant, and today you can listen to my interview with the one and only Arthur Galastian, who is an LA-born and Berlin-based electronic music artist. But before I introduce Galastian, I wanted to let you know that my new single called I Can is out now and you can listen to it at resonant.com forward slash I Can, where Resonant is spelled as R-E-Z-O-N-A-N-D, that's resonant. You can always find all these links mentioned throughout the episode in the show notes section of the episode, wherever you are listening to this podcast, maybe on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. If you want to get in touch with me, hit me up on the socials. My Instagram is resonant.dj. And now let me introduce today's guest. So my guest today is Galastian, who is an LA-born and Berlin-based electronic music artist whose recent releases have been supported by a wide range of international tastemakers, including Nora and Pure, Nicole Modubar, Joris Warn, Tiesto, Paul Olkenfold, Benny Benassi, Gabriel and Dresden, Green Velvet, Paul Van Dyke, Henry Size, Hanan Cataneo, Nick Warren, and many others. Galestian's diverse production repertoire includes collaborations with Grammy-nominated mainstays Paul Olkenfold and Capital City's frontman Cebu, to drivers of the international progressive house and techno scenes such as Darren Epsilon and remixes of his work by Olivier Giacomotto, Furcoat, Maiton Caspi and Alex Orion. He has been commissioned for remixes by the likes of 2x Platinum recording artist Vessi as well as underground namesakes such as Airwave. His most recent Galastian remix compilation hit Beatport's top 10 release charts across three categories and also broke into the overall Beatport top 100. His professional life in music began on public radio station KUCI 88.9 FM in 2003, where he hosted a weekly radio show for nearly a decade. His guests included prominent artists such as Carl Cox, Dubfire, Above and Beyond, and Armin von Buren. 
Today, his monthly global entry radio show is syndicated worldwide on over 50 outlets, including Mumbo Radio 89.4 FM in Ibiza and DI.FM. In 2017, Galastian signed to Paul Oakenfold's Perfecto Black imprint and was featured as a guest on his Planet Perfecto radio show, episode 383, reaching over 27 million listeners in 70 countries. In 2019, the two collaborated on a track called Summer Nights, celebrating Perfecto Black's 50th release, which was featured in publications such as Dancing Astronaut and DJ Mag Latin America. In 2021, Galestian launched his global entry recordings imprint with Hinsight, featuring Cebu from Capital Cities, followed up by 2022's One featuring Denicia. The genre crossing releases continue to garner club and radio support all over the world. In 2022, Galastian joined the Recording Academy as a voting member for the Grammy Awards. Gallivanting from North America, Europe and Asia through iconic places such as Nevada's Burning Man to San Keys, Tokyo, Exchange LA and Germany's renowned music festivals, his love for music is as unstoppable as his love for travel, with over 40 stamps collected in his passport to date. His distinctive music style remains difficult to pin down, covering a wide spectrum of melody-infused genres like deep and progressive house, melodic techno, and beyond. If you want to receive regular email updates about new episodes, all you need to do is sign up at resonant.com forward slash podcast news. That's resonant.com forward slash podcast news. Again, if you want to get in touch with me, hit me up on the socials. My Instagram is resonant.dj. And so without any further ado, my friend, here's my interview with the one and only Arthur Galastian. Galastian, welcome to the Break Into the Scene podcast. Thank you for having me, Tibor. Glad to be here. Yeah, super glad to have you on the show, man. I'm very excited. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. I think you're in Berlin, right? I am in Berlin at the moment. Berlin is something that has become an important city in your life as a DJ and producer, if I'm not mistaken. You came here to expand your musical career here as well, but you were born in LA. So I actually wanted to uh, start with that story and how we got connected. It's, it's, it's super interesting because like, you know, we had this <laughs> mentoring course, right? When I was preparing for the interview, I was thinking like how we how we got connected, right? And there was this mentoring course under the booth by uh, Mikey McGuire, if I pronounce the name properly. Yeah, and I and I and I saw you there, and somehow in the Facebook group um, or somewhere you mentioned that uh, you were based in Berlin, and I was kind of like looking for people who are based in Berlin because many of us were based in the UK and Australia and and I saw you and then accidentally we bumped into each other in the mall <laughs> close, right. to, <laughs> close to where I work and it was either before Berlin dance music event or after uh, I think it was before yeah it was before but it was like a huge coincidence no like just bumping into each other yeah yeah it was super nice to meet you in person is what i'm trying to say because at at the berlin dance music event we didn't uh have the chance to meet although i saw you but you were in conversations 
So yeah, tell us a little bit more about like how Berlin became part of your um, yeah musical career, so to speak. I actually had a gig in Amsterdam in 2018, and afterwards, a friend of mine who I've known from LA, Darren Epsilon, he was like, "Hey, come down to Berlin," because he had moved there about a year before at that point, and he was like, "Yeah, come down, check out Berlin. Uh, you might like it." So it was just a quick little detour from Amsterdam for me to stop by in Berlin and, and check it out. And yeah, I just started kind of dialing into the scene here and meeting people working in different studios. And yeah, I was eventually offered a, a work visa to stay in and work in the studios and yeah, basically as a freelance artist. So that's, that's how the whole thing happened. So I accepted the offer and, uh, and been doing it since 2018 this sort of back and forth i'm very curious like um about your journey in that sense as well but let's start with like you know like djing if i'm not mistaken you start djing in uh, 2001 or something like that and uh, i'm curious like how this all started and you know like what inspired you at the time to kind of like get into djing and if i'm not mistaken djing was before producing right Sometimes it's hard for me to say because I went, I was more serious about DJing when I first found out about it, but music's been part of my family since I was a kid. So my dad's whole side of the family, um, you know, piano has been a tradition. So my sister and I had to take piano lessons growing up and we've been surrounded by music the whole time. You know, my dad, I was also a professional musician. So at what point it all started, I don't know. I, you know, I, I remember having synthesizers in my room just messing around with it as a kid I had my first Casio keyboard at like you know three years old or something so you know does that count as first producing I don't know but when I first started learning about sequencers and um like different digital audio workstations that was before DJing but I didn't become serious about producing music until after I had been DJing for a couple of years already so I think yeah it was kind of a cycle that kept feeding one another But yeah, my very first gig was actually for my cousin's birthday party. They were just looking for somebody to play music. And I'm like, okay, well, I can either, you know, just do this with the house stereo system or just go out and get some DJ equipment. And I think that was really the beginning. Wow. Uh, but you, you started in radio, no? So that's like the, that's also like a part of this. Yeah, that's, that's something that I started doing when I was in university. There was a radio station on campus, uh, KUCI 88.9 FM. Um, and I just kind of passed by one day as I was late to class. And I was like, what is this place? And I walked in, there was like a wall full of vinyl. And, and at that time, you could also apply for internships and you would go through these training courses. And yeah, I just kind of walked in and I took interest. I met somebody there who was in charge of that whole thing. And I, I just ran to class. And then later on, I went back and I applied just for fun. Like I had no idea that this was something that would be a career path. I was just doing it for fun. And they called me and said that, um, that, you know, that I qualified for their training courses. So I just went through it. And then I ended up getting an internship on the radio station. And then they got me a show as a co-host with another show. And eventually I had my own show. So Yeah, that's kind of how that whole thing started. And around that time, I was also DJing like at different college parties um, and then using the radio show as, you know, another outlet to to share music with people. And I think the whole thing just started to snowball from there. So it was doing the college parties and then, 
you know, different parties were happening at different clubs, like, you know, all these fraternities were doing parties, all these different organizations were doing parties at different clubs. And I just started to, to get into that whole ecosystem. Um, and then it just expanded out from there, started working with different promoters in LA. And then we would bring in international guests when they were on tour uh, on the radio station, started doing live remote broadcasts from some different clubs in LA and Orange County. And yeah, I think that that's kind of how the whole thing became more and more serious. I really put my heart and soul into that show and started DJing more around LA, Orange County, and then eventually just throughout California. And that's kind of the gist of it. Wow, man. I'm just listening. You know, it's like <laughs> super exciting. So how long did you do that? Yeah, the show ran just under 10 years. Um, and then from there, I started working on commercial radio too. Also, you know, I was doing the public radio station as well, just because you have more freedom to play whatever you want. But I was producing different shows on commercial radio on KISS FM, 98.7 FM um, in LA. And then got an internship over at Warner Music in the international marketing department. So I was working for a major record label for a while too. Just got more and more into the radio side of things, really. I was, you know, board hopping at first, running the boards, the mixing console, and then uh, assistant producer. And then, I, and then I worked my way up to producer for, for different shows and eventually moved over to syndication. But this was all during the time that I was still DJing, too. So I still had my radio show doing all that, um, producing music, had a studio that I was working out of in L.A., too. So I didn't really get much sleep during those days. Wow, 10 years. So basically, in the meantime, you finished university, I guess, right? So it's like, wow, it's super exciting. So I can imagine that you you build a lot of connections, as you said, also with promoters in LA, but other artists as well. So so what was the uh, show called, actually? So the show that I interned on was called The Division of Hardcore Samples, because it was, at first, they were playing, like, harder types of dance music. But then when I jumped on board as a co-host, we started doing... Uh, it, it was initially a three-hour show, so I had the first hour and a half, and then the guy who I was hosting with would have the other hour, uh, hour or hour and a half. So, you know, my side of the show was more progressive house. I was doing a lot of trance at the time, too. Nice. So kind of more on the, yeah, anything between like 120 to 140 BPM. And then we would have different types of guests coming through. And at some point, I also got a residency um, at this club in L.A., uh, called Circus, and they had like Dead Mouse and Tiesto and all these guys playing there at the time. Whoa! And um, and then so I started bringing in you know residents from that club over too. So the sound of the show really started to change, but we didn't change the name of the show until the manager of the radio station called me one day and said that they had to let the other guy go for reasons I don't even know until this day. And at that point, I pretty much inherited the show and had it all to myself. But instead of bringing another co-host on board, you know, I decided at that point that I would just have guests. So every show um, either had, well, no, not every single show. Some some shows were just two-hour mixes that I would run myself, but usually I'd have guests coming coming on board either through their international tours or if they were local DJs playing at similar clubs that I was playing into. Uh, but then you eventually stopped the show, So so right? So, I mean, at some point it, it ended. So So why is that? Did you transition into something else? It's just because of the logistics at the time. I just had so much going on. And, you know, it was a, over an hour's drive to get to the radio station every Thursday. And it takes a lot to produce a radio show when it comes to booking guests and and all of that. And, uh, you know, this was live on the on the air and it was streamed. And so every 
every Thursday I had to prepare a show and I was just getting so busy with, with DJing and um, working in the studio. And then I also had my, you know, the, 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 the commercial radio job that was a full-time job. And then eventually I worked in like the digital end of things with, with syndication um, as, as senior digital manager. So like, as I got, wow, as I got busier and busier, I just had to decide, you know, what do I do from here? So I decided to instead launch my own radio show at the time on iHeartRadio. Nice. I was working for iHeartRadio. So I, it was just more feasible for me than driving out like, you know, over an hour each way once a week and preparing the show. So I launched a podcast on, uh, well, it was a radio show on, on iHeartRadio and then also helped launch two dance music stations um, on, on iHeartRadio too called Electric Soundstage and Transit. Um which ran for a while, but uh, it was shut down after some point. So put a lot of energy into that. And then eventually also, again, launched another radio show, which is called Global Entry Radio, um, which still is active. And that's syndicated on almost 50 radio stations now around the world. Now, that's pretty amazing. I wanted to ask you about this because, yeah, Global Entry Radio, I wanted to ask if this was the show back then that you launched, but then it was rather the the second. This is actually my fourth radio show oh wow yeah but it's the one that's I, I would say it's been you know as far as international reach i think it's been the most successful yeah honestly um to me it's so so interesting you know because um i'm trying to do something similar although i don't have the experience that you had because of the radio so for example i have the soundcloud and i really love just like sharing mixes i also want to kind of like you know, bring on other guests uh, so that I can share their mixes. So kind of like turn this whole thing into into radio. Syndication is something that I haven't done in my life ever. Um, so for example, if someone, a DJ, um, you know, just like me, wants to kind of like build something like this, like what what are some of the maybe one, two tips that you would give? It's important to have your, your goals in mind. Like, you know, for me, I started off on an FM radio station and I was just doing it purely because I enjoyed sharing music. I was always finding new music at the time. I was always trying to find things that were maybe harder to find or, or less accessible, but interesting. And I just wanted to share that with, with people, like what was the sense in having all this music, but listening into listening to it yourself. So for me, like the, the, the radio station and coming across it, it was very natural and it, you know, it grew to be what I, what I mentioned earlier. If, but if you're just starting out, I think it's essentially the same thing. It's just your platform is different if you're doing it digitally. So, you know, having guests like, you know, what you're doing that, um, that kind of connects you to your community. Or if you, if you, if you're in a part of the world where you have a small radio station that, can carry what you have to offer, then you kind of become this, you create this hub, you know, you kind of have a central point where people within, and I'm talking specifically in electronic music, but I guess it can apply to anything, but it kind of becomes a central point where people can come in and you bring all these people together and you become, stay connected to the scene. And it's a good way to, to take whatever your scene has to offer and make it more accessible and, and, and better better known to your community. So if you have that opportunity, then, you know, take it. If, if not, then you can start a podcast. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm thinking about like now I have a SoundCloud channel like for mixes. Uh, I have the interview podcast at some point. I kind of like I thought about combining the two because why have two channels uh, if you can have everything on one channel? I was thinking, you know, in the meantime, I was also wondering because um, so when is the time when you kind of like start producing? So you get into DJing, you DJ, uh, when is the point in your life when you kind of like feel this desire to uh, produce your own music? That's also a good question. Um, it was around the same time when I was doing the radio show and DJing, like there's always music playing in my head. Just if I'm walking down the street or when I was walking to class, there would always be music playing in my head. Like I would hear different grooves and different melodies and all these things. And Like I, I, I could hear these different melodies and different hooks and things like that. And I'm like, oh, this would be fantastic if I could play it in my sets. But, you know, I didn't really have the knowledge or the, the polish to anything yet. So I kind of, yeah, it was, it was, it was at that point when, when it became pretty obvious that I wanted to get whatever I was hearing in my head into a physical form somehow. Yeah, I ended up getting a um an access virus that was my first synth that i that i got and then just in between classes i would try to figure out how this whole thing works i had a copy of cubase and you know tried tried that and i tried what was it like in in high school though i had uh, i i had tried a couple different ways to to make music because my dad's friend had a studio so he kind of introduced this whole thing to me And then I, you know, became curious about it um, when I was running the radio show and everything. So it all started from there. And I think that's where the seed was planted. It started with this little curiosity, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, years ago, I started having this interest for music. Uh, but honestly, I didn't start. It was at the university. Uh, I had so many limiting beliefs around like, you know, like becoming a DJ or whatever, like a music producer. Uh, I was growing up in Hungary, so we didn't have like, I don't know, I felt like there's not much chances to kind of like, I don't know, like be recognized in the scene and stuff like that. Maybe because of friends, because I had a music producer friend um, uh, at the time of university and uh, he was really struggling. I remember he was always telling me, but you know, like, one person's experience is like totally unique so someone's reality is like totally different from your reality right or your possibilities in the world so but it's like these limiting beliefs they they come from like hearing others stories about how they struggled and whatnot so i remember i i had this friend he was like producing a really cool music in my opinion and uh he used reason back then so i even asked him to kind of like teach me how to produce music i remember we went into a music store i was around like i don't know 20 22 maybe a little bit more around university time and we went into a music store and at the time i was studying architecture right uh, so i had nothing to do with music but i kind of like started feeling this inspiration And we went into a music store and I was like, I remember I was like, you know, like stunned. I was like, this, this, this is my home, you know? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like a year's pass and I didn't do anything with it because I remember when he was teaching me reason, I was like, wow, this is super complicated. Like all those musical theories and stuff. I was like, whoa. So maybe I should, should have started with DJing maybe back then. because it's a bit easier than 
producing music, but years later I started DJing <laughs> and now I'm actually enrolled in an Ableton course. So I'm learning uh, music production as well, because I also had this like interest of, or curiosity of, you know, how, how, how a track is built, how can I actually build something like this? I don't know, for example, in your case, I kind of like want to circle back to your story in terms of like when you start producing and uh, when you look at your journey as a producer, like how did your skills evolve over the years? Like how did you feel, you know, when you kind of like started uh, becoming more and more comfortable with production? And if there was like a turning point when you were like, uh, you know, you started releasing tracks and you felt like, you know, like getting into this groove of like, producing music, releasing music? I think it's just listening to the music that inspires you and listening to where you're at at that point and asking yourself where the gap is. And when you're first starting out, it can seem pretty daunting because there's a pretty big learning curve of understanding how the whole music production world works and it can take years to get to that point. But if it's something you're really dedicated to then that gap eventually begins to get smaller and smaller until you know you have music that sounds like the music that inspired you in the first place so I think you know for me that interest was there pretty much as soon as I became obsessed with DJing and um and wanting to learn how this whole thing was done and you know listen to my productions and I'm like why does my stuff sound like crap compared to the stuff that you know that I'm DJing and you know, then it's just a matter of learning and getting feedback and and figuring out exactly where you're where you need improvement. And for each project that you do, there's a tiny bit of improvement. It's because you're learning something that you didn't have before. And you know, that takes time. It could be like a one or two percent improvement with every single project that you do, but you learn a little bit more. And the more music you make, the the, the quicker you can get there. So I think it just takes time. Um, but yeah, for me, the very first release I had was in 2010. And then that was the first, actually, no, I did, I did release a record in 2008, but I'm not very proud of that one. Um, but it was in 2010, the, the, the first release that I had. And yeah, but I think the, the, the first time where I felt really proud of what I was doing was probably like with the releases I had in 2016 or so, maybe 2016 or 2017. I don't remember exactly. So yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a, a learning curve there, but if you go back and listen to the earlier catalog of some of your favorite artists, you can see their, um, how they've improved too. Like if you think of some of your favorite underground DJs and or, or producers, if you go check out their discography, like the first one that I can think of is Sebastian Leger. And like, yeah, if you listen to his earlier stuff, he's still releases under his same name, but his style completely changed. You know, he was doing more like electro style stuff and the sound quality is way different than, than what you hear now. He's much more seasoned, much more polished. So I think it's it's nice to see that. Yeah. Speaking of these uh, improvements, there is one quote that came to mind. <laughs> it's from my past podcasting life. You know, I remember a lot of like these quotes. Yeah. Uh, from Robin Sharma, small improvements over time lead to stunning results. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, man. Like, the, uh, yeah, it's just like through practice, I guess. Uh, and today you have, uh, so your style is, uh, can we say it's like deep progressive house and melodic house and techno. So, um, 
how how did you get to a point where you kind of like know that this is the direction or style that you want to produce because it's not like trivial right so it's not trivial that okay i, I want to produce house music it's i like a lot of different genres like drum and bass break beat house tech house melodic house most of the time i play house and disco nowadays but it's also influenced by the places where i play so it's like how do you discover your uh your style i think it's a matter of just paying attention to what you like um i was a resident at a trance club for a long time so i was playing trance for closing sets <clears throat> but then for opening sets like for, for for opening sets i would do more like um you know deeper more progressive stuff because uh, it just you know it would build up the night much better towards trance so i think i was exposed to a lot of different genres too and i was you know i would just try to listen to so many different types of music especially with an electronic music when i was really getting into this and so when i first started djing it was mostly trance that i was really really into nice and um yeah but then over over time i really started getting more into like the progressive house sound and deeper stuff some darker stuff and i think that the, the turning point was with with production really when i would sit down to produce music you know i would most of the time lean more towards the darker more melodic stuff and maybe some some of the more progressive stuff and so as an artist i started to go more in that direction i was really curious to know how some of the sound design was done how you know those productions were done specifically and then with my dj set started to kind of change to accommodate that so I think when melodic techno started to come onto the scene, I really, really connected with it just because it was combining so many of these different genres into one sound. Like it had elements of progressive house in there. And then it had like, you know, the the melodies that trance had, you know, the lower BPM, deeper stuff that, you know, that has room for a groove. So it combined so many different genres that I really liked and you know it was just a natural progression for me so it's interesting because you know like as i said with djing that places where you play might influence what you're gonna play in some way shape or form and producing your own music depending on on which label you want to release you might adjust a little bit your style so uh were you just following like what you liked and what you wanted to produce or were there like influences like that like i want to release on this label so therefore i'm going to you know, go in that direction a little bit more? I'd say all of the above. I didn't stick to one thing. Sometimes I would write music that I really, really liked that I couldn't even play in clubs, but I just kind of wanted to try something different. Sometimes the music I wrote would be influenced by the gigs I had around that time because you can see exactly how what you're writing influences the dance floor. You'll see what works, what doesn't work on the dance floor. Other times I was like, I want to aim for certain labels that I have in mind. So I'd write music for those labels. So I wouldn't say it was one or the other. It's really all of them. It's got to, you got to look at it like um, it's a process of exploration, discovery, and curiosity. I guess what I'm also wondering about is like, you know, for example, also with the podcast, like look, you can be like very strategic about like who you invite on the podcast and who you want to network with. For example, like I really decided to invite uh, people from Berlin because I wanted to build my network locally. And I'm thinking similarly with the labels, like 
finding local labels and local clubs for DJing and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I'm just wondering if, yeah, you kind of like went this route of like, I don't know, you wanted to build your connections in Berlin or LA and then started networking, yeah, with labels or clubs or... Yeah, I mean, the networking just happens as part of what you're doing, especially with, I think for me, the the, the radio show was oh yeah a natural springboard for all that to happen. But yeah, when I was DJing too, you know, with the residency was a really big turning point just because it was one of the best clubs in LA at that time. How the residence is really interesting, honestly. Yeah, because you're consistently in front of the same audience. You know, they know your music, you know, you know what they like. You can test out your own tracks. And, and get crowd react, reaction and kind of have this regular inbuilt audience. And then um, and then other promoters come to those clubs too. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I, would, I was offered gigs right after my set was done by different promoters in the area who were like, hey, we're doing this kind of party. It's such a such location. You know, we'd love to have you. And, you know, then the, it kind of just expanded out from there. So I think just being out playing gigs definitely opened up a lot of opportunities. Yeah, and it's super cool that you're based in Berlin, but also in LA. So do you nurture these networks in, in both cities, so to speak? Like you try to be present in both cities? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I split my time between both cities. Earlier this year, I was invited to the Grammys too. I got into the Recording Academy as a voting member. So, so I try to spend some time in LA to to nurture that network and you know take advantage of new opportunities that are coming about and keep things fresh. Uh, it's super cool, but also you were traveling the world, no? Like at some point. Yeah, I did. I lived this nomadic lifestyle for a couple of years. Yeah, the digital nomad lifestyle, because you also have this uh, nomadicproducers.com website. Yeah. Yeah, like a, a, an ebook that people can download. I, I actually wanted to dive into your experiences. Like, how did you start traveling? Um, what inspired this decision? Because I like this idea, honestly. And I see people like one person that comes to mind is Chris Luno. Like he has a YouTube channel and uh, he's uh, from Berlin and uh, sometimes in Bali. They are recording these super cool videos. So I would, I would love to do that, man, you know, and you have uh, you have done this to some extent and have experiences. So, yeah, just tell us a little bit more about like this experience. So... It was a, I, I took a short holiday. Well, I shouldn't say short. It was a three week holiday to Thailand. And then I, I went back to LA and realized that, you know, I wanted to eventually do music full time and DJ and produce music and, and travel full time. I wanted that to be my life. And that I took that holiday around 2014. And then in 2015 is when I, um, when I've committed fully to it. So yeah, a friend of mine was working for a startup in San Francisco, which folded. And one of his mentors had told him that, you know, he should leave and go somewhere where he can de-stress and take his mind off things. And so he went to Thailand and he was doing the whole digital nomad thing there, working remotely as a computer programmer. And so I went to, to visit and realized I could do the same thing essentially. So Yes, uh, that's where that's where that's where everything started. I was doing uh, radio production at that point too. So still with my contacts in radio, I was doing radio production uh, all remotely, and I was focusing on producing music and building my music production skills. And yeah, did I focused on that full time. It was supposed to be like a one year experiment, and it more than that. So I'm still doing it. Yeah, 
and then in what 2016 I went to Japan and that's when I signed my first record to Paul Oakenfold's label Perfecto nice yeah I've seen that man and so I knew that okay well it can definitely be done you don't have to be tied down to a studio anymore yeah I'm curious about your journey of how you're making this happen traveling living out of DJing and, and producing yeah so basically I decided that at that point I wanted to focus full on with producing music and then when I was in Japan and signed that record um, you know I knew I was onto something since the um you know Paul Oakenfold had picked it up and he was playing it as a unsigned record on his radio show for a couple of years it's this track called Rituals so he played it on his radio show for uh sorry a couple months in in 2016 and then eventually he decided to sign it to to Perfecto Black has a really interesting story behind the track, right? The rituals, the habits, I was reading about it. Tell us a little bit more about that process, how the track was born. Yeah, so I was doing a lot of traveling around that time and just saw how, you know, people in different cultures were doing things, how there were these there were these things that were, you know, passed down from generation to generation that you would only see in, in, in one culture. Like, I mean, Japan has a very, very rich culture. There's so many traditions and so many... Um, you know, so many different rituals and so many different parts of the culture that I found fascinating. And I think it's one of the most fascinating cultures in the world still to this day. So, yeah. And at the same time, I was also focusing on my own daily rituals, you know, doing your, sailing your own ship, running your own business, um, going the entrepreneurial route. You really have to have a lot of discipline and um, you have to have your own rituals in, in, in a certain way too. So, for me, it was kind of a combination of both of those things. It was understanding my own personal rituals in my own life, but then also, you know, connecting with the rituals and traditions of these cultures um, that I was finding myself in. And so that's kind of how that, that whole song came about. It was an extension of, of that point in my life. And um, yeah, I just remember, you know, that's those times is really when I, focused on building my own discipline so like in the mornings i'd get up and and still i still do i have tell us tell us please i'm so curious yeah like before i shower i still have a push-up routine that i started around that time so i've been doing it since 2015 and and you know that's like just one example where i go through my push-ups before i, I shower like i have to deserve that shower and the way i earn the shower is by doing push-ups and i always max it out so you know that's that's like one example of a ritual it gets the blood going wakes you up quickly Another is water. You know, I keep uh, a nice tall jug of water right next to my bed. So when I wake up in the mornings, it's the first thing I drink. You know, I drink an entire glass of water is pretty much till <laughs> till the, 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 the glass is completely empty. Then I do the push-ups, take a shower, and then get out of the shower and drink more water. One example of what was uh, what started around that time. So I love it, man. <laughs> uh, I, I'm the guy for this, you know, because <laughs> again, uh, as I told you, I had podcasts, one of the podcasts was about mindset, but I had so many guests on about like different personal development topics, even like energy healing, everything was in it. And uh, I was also experimenting with like morning routines. Uh, water is absolutely the first thing that I do, uh, drinking water in the morning, because like after sleeping, your body's like dehydrated, basically. So I drink water uh, first. I was also experimenting with meditation. It was uh, a combination of like mindfulness and creative visualization, like just visualizing your goals and 
at the time I was a freelancer. So I basically did everything that I could do, you know, to kind of like improve my mindset. And uh, yeah, as you're saying, discipline, I mean, you know, like, uh, for example, music production, no, like, uh, you have to be like, disciplined, sit down, you know, kind of like work on projects. So it's it's like a very time intensive thing, right? So it's, it's just it's like I wake up and I write the track and release it, right? Definitely. There's nobody hovering over your shoulders telling you what you got to do. So it's, it's essentially, it's all on you. Like I have my exercise routine in the morning, but it's a quick like 10, 15 minute routine just to get the day started. But I usually go to the gym at nights right now. Yeah, you're very serious about that, man. I saw I saw the stories <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm all in on that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's really important also for like the mental health, right? So it's like, I can imagine like, uh, this brings you positive energy, maybe new ideas, inspirations as well, besides the muscles, right? Yeah, I've had some of my best ideas just come to me, like, as I'm maxing out a set in pain. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for me, I, for me, working out is is a meditation, really. Like when you get really, really into your sets, and when you're really giving it your all and pushing it beyond your beyond your limits, I think, I mean, that's the best meditation. There's nothing else on your mind but that set. And I think it all spills over into other areas of your life too. So for me, you know, working out, it's like you know, you might think you'll never be able to get to a certain weight, but you try. You know, you try doing a weight that you thought was impossible just to see if you could do, you know, just two or three reps of that. And, you know, you realize, hey, and I couldn't do this three months ago. And now I was able to just, you know, it's something as little as two to three reps. That's a start for something. And then now you're convinced, hey, I actually can do that weight. And then you start adding that to your routine and then, you know, give it a couple of more months and you can do like four or five of those or six. I love it. Kind of getting into that mindset of breaking past your perceived limitations, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't just end at the gym. It's like with everything, with with your career decisions, with um, the types of collaborations you want to do, the, you know, the new things you could learn with producing music, the labels you want to work with, um, the types of events you want to play. It's just like, there's really no end to it. So I actually just watched the... Um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. Which I, I saw highly- it, man. So inspiring. Yeah. And love it. One- be useful. Exactly. Be useful. And I actually have that written on my, just above my desk. It's like just written there just to remind myself. <laughs> like this, be useful. Yeah, exactly. It says be I love useful. It. I love it. Like, yeah, one thing he said in the documentary that I really resonated with was that, um, you know, sculpting a sculpting your mind starts with sculpting your body because you know that's a physical manifestation of your mind yeah that's really powerful i love it and everything is a muscle as you're just saying right so it's like training music production skills over time small improvements habits in place so um this is becoming a productivity podcast (laughs) (laughs) and we can switch topics if you want i'm just kind of going with the flow yeah but i love it i think this is super helpful but yeah i i do want to be respectful of your time so um as we are getting closer to the end of the episode i really i have a, a question in mind which is like if you look back at your journey as a DJ and producer, like what are some of the most memorable moments that you remember and, and you are really proud of? Like, I just remember some of those early house parties in college. Those were incredible just cause like we would just have the, the place so packed and that's 
you know, I would just DJ these parties. The vibe in there was incredible. And I was trying to play as much electronic music as I could at the time, like really playing out my favorite records. So those were really good times. Um, the gigs in Japan were were fantastic. Nice. Um, the res those days um, as a resident at Circus in LA, those are some of the best times that I can recall. All the events I would do with other friends of mine, we would promote some parties throughout Hollywood and in and other parts of California, um, like New Year's Eve in San Francisco. There's it's just there's just so many the gigs I played in Thailand and yeah, ADE. But my first international gig was in Canada. I just remember the 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 radio set that I did there too. So yeah, it's really hard to turn to narrow it down to just one. I think they all kind of expanded on what was what was happening. But if I had to say one big turning point, I would say it was the definitely the residency um in LA and then just getting into that regular ecosystem of playing parties in college. Yeah, that 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 kind of gave it a regularity, you know, like it was a consistency. It wasn't just me playing at like one party and that was it. It was. Let's not forget about the Berlin events. Uh, I also had the pleasure to see you play at Klunka Krani. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Properly. always a good time there. Always a good time. I miss you at Zuzwa, I guess, then a couple of weeks ago. I guess, but uh, hopefully I can see you soon next time. Yeah, should be playing there again soon. And hopefully Rete Butsko sometime soon as well. I have a record that I signed with them and we were supposed to play a gig earlier this year, but I was traveling at the time, so I so I couldn't be in Berlin. And then I just signed a record to Deep Tales, which mm -hmm. is a really, really awesome label based here in Berlin. It's run by Till Antonio, a good friend of mine. Also love working with him. Played one of the open air parties that they did uh, in May. And so, yeah, looking forward to that. That release won't be out until next year, though. And just got some collabs as well that I'm working on and some solo projects. So I have some interesting stuff that's going to be out over the next couple of months to through uh, 2024. So what's the best place for us to follow you and find all these upcoming releases? I'm most active on Instagram and my Username on there is Galestian Music. It's spelled G-A-L-E-S-T-I-A-N Music. Um, and you can find links to all my socials on my website, galestianmusic.com. So yeah, I would say those are the best places to get a hold of me. I'm on, I'm on Facebook and SoundCloud and everything too. It's all under Galestian Music. I was checking Beatport and um, Spotify. So those are also places that are up to date or not the most up to date when it comes to your work. Yeah, it is. Yeah, all of my recent releases. Although I have a bootleg that I've been playing out of my sets since earlier this year um, that is going out by the end of this week. And then I'm going to post that up on SoundCloud as well. So some of the more unofficial stuff that I do that I play out of my sets um, that there's a demand for, I'll put it out on SoundCloud for free download. So yeah, my next release technically is not going to be on Beatport. It's going to be out on SoundCloud as a as a free download. You can find my official release catalog and everything on Beatport and Spotify, Apple Music too. And your website, galastiamusic.com. This is everything can be found there, I feel. So it's a pretty, pretty cool website, very comprehensive with all the details. And all the links I'm going to put in the show notes. So uh, and it can be found on our website, resonant.com forward slash podcast. And uh, yeah, in the show notes section of the uh, episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
And yeah, my last question is, you kind of like talked about some of your upcoming projects, but like, what is next for you in the next one year or so, and maybe beyond, like, what are some of your main goals and aspirations at the moment? Keep working on more music, play some more shows out. I'd like to to travel more internationally. Like, uh, pretty much since COVID, I've been playing mostly just within this part of the world and the US, but just the West Coast. Um, so yeah, I, I'd like to start playing out again more internationally, picking back up after COVID. So just uh, creating music, sharing it with the world. I love it, man. Galastian, thank you for taking the time and thanks for coming on the show. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on board. Thank you, man. I appreciate you joining me for this episode of the Break Into The Scene podcast today. If you want to receive regular updates about new episodes, make sure to sign up at resonant.com forward slash podcast news. That's resonant.com forward slash podcast news. If you want to check out the detailed show notes and free resources, make sure to visit our website, resonant.com forward slash podcast. That's resonant.com forward slash podcast. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, just keep it real, my friend.